Lord, uh, thank you so much for this time, this Sunday, God. Lord, we uh, we do pray, God, we lift up um, those who aren't feeling well today. Um, I know that's the, the rest of my family, so I have just kind of a special uh, heart for that this morning. Lord, we pray that you would, uh, you would be with those who aren't feeling well, those who are sick, God. You are the great physician. Um, Lord, we pray as we as we talk about this, uh, as we talk about prayer this morning, God, would you direct our hearts? Would you lead us into an honest conversation? Um, would you lead us into uh, just a place of honesty when we talk about our own prayer lives? And God, when we look at how you've taught us to pray, God, would you lead us and, and make us more like Christ? Um, that's all we want today, God, is we want to approach the topic of prayer with open hands and an open heart, and hopefully to be changed and transformed. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so I said during the prayer, I was, I was the only healthy person in my house this weekend. So if you need to stay away from me, I get it. Um, but uh, so, you know, just making sure the house doesn't fall apart, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. So I think I think I'm the guy who Brian was talking about in the in the early earlier part. But so today we're going to start a, a five week series called "Lord Teach Us to Pray." And the words "Lord Teach Us to Pray" they're taken right out of Luke 11. That's where we're going to be hanging out today. And so we're going to spend five weeks talking about our prayer lives. And I hope my hope is that we can be real honest about where we're at in our prayer lives. Because I'm going to start with this question, and this question was something I had to wrestle with as I'm like, okay, let's do a prayer series. Um, but this is, this is my opening question. Do you ever feel shame over your prayer life? Do you ever feel shame over your prayer life? I do, personally. I do, personally. I don't know about you, but prayer, at, like being consistent, being deliberate about prayer is something I've struggled with my whole Christian life. And I've heard a lot of different, even pastors admit that. They'd say stuff like, well, I'm not a very good prayer. I really like the Bible, but I'm not a very good prayer. And, and some of us maybe struggle, if you're like me, you kind of struggle to stay consistent in prayer. And maybe you have these thoughts that I've had, like, I'm not praying enough. I'm not praying hard enough. I'm not praying as well as... This other person in the church prays. Um, I'll tell someone, I'll pray for them. And in my head, I'm envisioning, I'm going to spend an hour on my knees praying for this person's illness. When in reality, I pray about two sentences, right? And just kind of in the car, like, oh yeah, God help this person, X. And then just kind of move on, right? And so if you're like me, maybe you struggle to make prayer like the priority that God intended it to be. As an, and as, as I get older, I really resonate with the disciples' questioning of Jesus. Lord, teach us how to pray. The disciples pressing Jesus. Jesus, teach us to pray. Because you know what? We need to be taught how to pray. We all have a natural inclination towards prayer. Like when we get in trouble, right? If we're about to rear end somebody, we probably pray, God, help me out right, right now. You know, We have an impulse to seek God. We have an impulse to seek a power beyond our own. But in the nitty-gritty of life, it's hard to stay consistent when we pray. That might not be you. You might be a person who has a consistent, faithful, quiet time every morning, half hour. 
Maybe you soak in the presence of God, and it's just, it comes naturally to you, and it does come naturally to some people, or it does, it is, it, it isn't a challenge for everyone like it is for some people. But maybe when you get in a room alone to pray, your thoughts go a thousand different directions. Anybody else, or am I the only one? Just, you start thinking about all these different things. You're like, oh, and then you feel that shame, right? Like, oh, I, I can't get distracted right now. I'm supposed to pray. Uh, sometimes my mind wanders the most when I'm trying to sit down and take some time to pray. But fortunately for you and me, we have a God who is gracious to us in our prayer life. He, God actually wants to teach us how to pray to start from a point where we assume, I don't know everything there is to know about prayer. And God doesn't hold us in contempt because we miss our prayer time. God gives us grace and invites us into a greater prayer life, greater communion with him. And so I felt really compelled this fall that we take a step as a, as a church more into the practice of prayer, both personally and corporately. Personally, we need to pray. It needs to be a part of our, our daily life. It's our connection with God. But then also, I want to challenge us. We need to pray corporately as well. You know, as, as we seek God's uh, movement here in our community, that doesn't start by us doing a bunch of stuff. That starts by us praying together, getting on the same page with God. My thought was, as we, as we did this series, like, what if— what if we as a church got really serious about prayer? What might God do? And the answer is, it's limitless. Like, God could move in powerful ways that we can't explain um, if we just committed ourselves to prayer. And that image of us being a, a, a serious praying church is what compelled me to do, uh, do this five-week series. And, um, and also, we're going to start today, as we talk— you know, we talk about corporate prayer. We're going to focus more today on a personal level, our own um, prayer life with God. But I thought, too, what are we saying when we don't pray? When we run into stress and we don't pray, we're kind of telling God, I got it. Like, if I have enough willpower, if I have enough strength in and of myself, I can handle this. And that's not what Jesus taught at all. Jesus t told us that we're in this dependent relationship with God and that we need to seek him daily, regularly. Jesus is not a self-help coach. Jesus is not about the power of positivity. Jesus is about, the de about dependence on your Father God for your daily life. And that's what we're going to see in this, uh, in this prayer today. These next five weeks are going to be a journey into learning how to pray. And I want you to know this series isn't just, I thought, hey, it'd be good for a church. This is a journey I've been on too. Like God's been teaching me how to pray. God's been teaching me how to be consistent. God's been teaching me the discipline of prayer. And what I want to say is it's worth it. Any time you make for God is worth it. And that shame we feel, that's our fallen human nature that tells us that we're not doing it right. That's our fallen human nature that tells us we're not worthy of God's attention. That we, we can say, Father God, but we don't actually believe it. That is our human nature. Because the truth is, Jesus has overcome any barrier that we have between us and God. Jesus has overcome. So we can enter into a free relationship with God. 
submitted to God, and that's what this prayer is all about. Um, as we go through the next few weeks of the series, um, we're going to follow this uh, the, kind of this prayer acronym, and I have this uh, tool here today in the back you can pick up, um, and it just uh, it, it just follows this idea of prayer as pr pausing, rejoicing, asking, and yielding. And uh, there's a book uh, by a guy named Pete Gregg that came out a few years ago, uh, ago called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. And I love that title. <laughs> you know, just how to pray. And if you're not a prayer person, this is like the best book you could read. Like if you are like intimidated by the idea of becoming a prayerful person, uh, Pete is super real. And, and the book is very, very practical and very, very deep as well. So I would recommend that. Again, that book is called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. And, and if you want just a good place to start, you can start by uh, using this tool. It's, it's in the back. Um, but these are the, the practices that we are going to walk through um, today is sort of an intro, and then, and then the future weeks we're going to be looking at these different practices. But now let's dive into a moment between Jesus and his disciples uh, in Luke 11. And what we're going to see is what Jesus said about prayer. And if we really believe what Jesus told us about prayer, I believe it can change the dynamic of our relationship with God in a powerful way. And it shapes the kind of conversation that God wants to have with us on a daily basis. And so when I started prepping for this, I fully intended to preach Luke, verse, Luke 11 verses 1 through 14. And I got to verse 4. And that's all... I got to. So, so for those who, um, you know, like focus, this is good. Um, we are going to come back to the other half uh, when we get to the message about asking God for help. But if you have your Bibles, or you can look on the screen, uh, we're going to look at Luke 11 now. We're going to start in verse 1. It says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, karma. Yay! But this is what we're going to focus on today. I will say there's two different versions of uh, this prayer in the Gospels. There's Luke's version and there's Matthew's version. You'd be like, hey, didn't, didn't that leave out some stuff? Well, th this is the prayer uh, in the book of Luke. Um, Matthew includes um, some other pieces like deliver us from evil and all that. And you might be like, well, why doesn't, why doesn't it look the same? I think Jesus taught this prayer more than once. Um, in Matthew, it was in context of, of the Sermon on the Mount. And then in Luke, he's just teaching his disciples. So uh, I think that's, if, if you're confused by that, I think that's what's going on here. But let's, let's get to this. So the teaching, Jesus' teaching on prayer starts by the disciples observing him pray. They see Jesus pray, and they want what Jesus has. The Bible tells us that Jesus would, Jesus would often escape to desolate places to be alone with his Father. 
that any opportunity Jesus had, he would escape from the demand on his life. He would escape from the pressure of, of ministry, the pressure of the questions of his disciples, and he would get alone as far away as he could to just spend time between him and his father. And I think we talk a lot today about escapism, like, man, I'm so tired, I just want to get away from it all. This was Jesus's form of escapism. Like when, when I am stretched beyond what I can handle, I'm going to escape. I'm just going to spend time with my father. So we all have different ways that we decompress, right? And some are healthy and some are not so healthy, right? So, some are super passive, like I've had a long day. I'm just going to come home and I'm going to watch t TV, stream something until 11 o'clock at night, you know, something like that. And we all have, some of us have, have healthy ways of decompression, like exercise, things like that. Some of us don't. Um, but what Jesus modeled is that um, life it can only be sustainable with this daily connection with Father, the Father God. With a daily connection, with a pursuit of God in prayer. And Jesus modeled, uh, modeled uh, a yearning for God in, in his life. So, um, and it, here's, here's the thing. Pete Gregg talks about in his book, he talks about some of us want to wait until we feel like praying to pray. Some of us want to wait until we have the urge to pray to pray. The problem with that is we might not ever feel that urge to pray. It might not ever come around. So on the other hand, we need discipline to pray as well. Just to say, you know what? I might not feel like this right now, but I'm going to take time and spend time with my Father God. And guess what? God shows up in that too. God shows up in the desire and the discipline to pray. And that's, that's been my experience. So um, the disciples were drawn to Jesus' prayer life. Jesus had cultivated a prayerful life that the, the disciples wanted to have for their, themselves. And the truth is this. A prayerful life is attractive. A prayerful life is attractive. Have you ever met a prayerful person and thought, man, I want more of what they, they have. <laughs> I want more of their experience with God. I want a depth of connection with God that they have. And that comes by spending time with God. Making time um, to earnestly seek God. You meet people who pray a lot and they have a certain strength, peace, authority, whatever you want to call it. Last weekend, I was at a prayer event, and I, I uh, got to sit next to Bill Richardson, who's the director of the Light of the World Prayer Center here in Whatcom County. And um, Bill is a, is a powerful prayer warrior. I mean, he is the director of the prayer center. So you would think if there's a guy in Whatcom County who knows a little bit about prayer, it would be Bill. The other thing Bill has that's really powerful is a Scottish accent. So you put the two together, that's a lot of authority right there. That's a lot of power. But Bill has this undeniable fire for God. And, and, and even though we don't know each other super well, just, just in, in, in being close to him for, for an hour, he spent time praying for me, even like prophesying over me. And as I told him about where we were at as a church and the new building and all these things, and it's like he was just able to speak right to where I was at. And so I can say for myself, I want more of what Bill has, including the Scottish accent. Now I just show up next week and have that powerful Scottish accent. 
But no, I want, more, I want more of that fire. That fire that we all desire comes through connection with God. And so as the disciples observe Jesus' life, they want more of what he has, more of that connection to the Father. So one of them says, Lord, teach us to pray. And he also says, just as John taught his disciples. It was normal in that time for uh, the disciples to want to learn from their their rabbis to model after them so this isn't this isn't anything out of out of the out of the the uh, the blue if you if you followed a teacher a rabbi you wanted to model your whole life after that person so uh, the, the disciples come to a point where they tell Jesus hey just show us teach us how to pray now of all the different topics that Jesus taught on there were some topics that Jesus taught in a less direct way. Jesus taught a lot in parables. You know, when, when a man came up to Jesus and asked, who is my neighbor? Jesus told him this long story about the Good Samaritan. But when it comes to prayer, Jesus was really specific. Like these are, act this is one of the rare times that Jesus gave his disciples specific instructions. Specific instructions in how to pray. Jesus wasn't coy about the subject of prayer. He wanted, to, wanted it to be abundantly clear. Because prayer is that important, Jesus didn't want to leave a lot of room for speculation or disagreement. And so he begins by telling his disciples, when you pray, say. This is the New International Translation. When you pray, say. The way that this sentence is, is structured leaves the expectation that you would say these words specifically. Not that it would, you would like say it legalistically or, or that's all you would say in prayer, but that these words that Jesus gives us are, are actually carry a lot of meaning. And so as I was looking at Luke, uh, Luke 11 this week, I thought, man, let's just spend time walking down the power behind the Lord's Prayer in Luke. Again, it's the shorter version, which might be good, right? We might need to, it might be good to, to go through the shorter version. There's also the version in Matthew 6, 9. But the idea is that we can actually build our prayer life off of these words. Like, this is how God wants to frame the conversation with you. This is how God wants to frame your heart for prayer. So, I also know this. I also know this. Some of us might have some baggage when it comes to the Lord's Prayer or being told what to do specifically. Um, when I, f about 10 years ago, I was in a young adults group, and we were just having a discussion, and it was on the Lord's Prayer, and the leader asked, hey, what, what meaning does this prayer have to you? And one guy raised his hand, and he said, none. None. I grew up in a church where I said this every day, so much so that it's completely lost its meaning. Like, and I thought, man, how sad is that, right? Like that we could actually be inoculated from the power of the Lord's Prayer. If it becomes a religious exercise, a routine, it kind of strips the, the power away from it. Like we just say it because we're supposed to, out of a sense of duty instead of really meaning what it says. And so I, I say that because I wonder if there are others in this room that have that same kind of baggage around the Lord's Prayer. Like, well, I always had to say it, so it's kind of lost its meaning. My hope today is that maybe we could rediscover the power behind the Lord's Prayer. 
behind these words that Jesus taught us to pray? What if God wants to breathe new life into these words today? Because if prayer ever becomes a boring, powerless routine in your life, if it ever just becomes dull, then we need to reorient ourselves to the, to the prayer life that God wants us to have. Because prayer can and should make us feel more alive than any other practice we could do. Because it's connection with God. It's relating to God. So let's walk through these words. And the first place that Jesus starts is with the word Father. Now I know that Father can carry a lot of baggage for us. God wants to reorient our heart on what a father looks like. If you want to look and see what a father is supposed to be, just read the rest of the prayer. Like, God is a good father. But he starts with the word, Father. This is our starting point. Do we know that God is our father? That he cares for us? That he loves us? That there's that he's not a distant, unseen king that just wants us to be his subjects, that God actually desires a deep relationship because as he created you, he holds you close as his created one. He created you in his image, and he is, he's our father. And so as we come to God, we don't start with, oh, most high, lofty, like, uh, you know, I'm way down here, you're way up here. We start with the word Father. Matthew would add, our Father in heaven. God is close. And God is also holy. The next words, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, that's not a word we use a whole lot. It means holy. It means different than anything else. It means set apart above and beyond anything on earth. And so when we say hallowed, we're saying that, God, you are absolutely abundantly unique. You are set apart. You are above creation. Yet, at the same time, you are a father. The next words are, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. We've got two different kingdoms we can live for, Right? We've got our kingdom. We've got God's kingdom. When Jesus comes into our life, he invites us to live for a new kingdom. And it's not a kingdom that's, that's ruled somewhere else. It's, it's right here. God writes the law on our hearts. The allegiance to God's kingdom starts in our hearts. He wants to change the world one heart at a time. Also know this. Even if you're a Christian, there's going to be tension between those two kingdoms all the time. You know, the kingdom of the world, and the kingdom of God. And so when we get up in the morning, or when we go to bed at night, and when we pray your kingdom come, we're aligning ourselves to a different kingdom than the world. We're aligning ourselves to a different kingdom uh, than ourselves and what we want. We're aligning ourselves primarily to God above all above family, above country, God's kingdom above it all. God's kingdom exists outside of, um, <clears throat> outside of our national story. God's kingdom is eternal and everlasting. 
where so many of the things we care about aren't, God's kingdom is here to stay. And God's kingdom expands across the world. We want unity and peace in this world. The only way we're going to get it is when we submit to our Father God. His kingdom seeks to bring heaven to earth. That's why Matthew, in Matthew, Jesus adds, on earth as it is in heaven. And this kingdom looks forward to a day when the king of heaven will make everything new. New heavens and a new earth. And this is the kingdom that God has invited us to be a part of. And it's just captured in these three simple words, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Then it says, give us each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. This is a prayer of, of not only asking God for our daily needs, because we, we trust that he'll meet them, but the, the, the crazy thing about how this sentence is structured is it actually means keep giving us our daily bread. So it's a recognition that God, it's a recognition that God has already given us what we need. And it's an ask to keep giving us what we need. This is why God is a good father. He's looking out for our, for our needs. For our, he's providing for us. He's providing for our physical needs. He cares about the physical. He cares about the emotional. He cares about all of it. And so here is a prayer of, of, a, of physical provision. Give us our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. The assumption is that God has got you today. You know, there have been times in Bonnie and my marriage that were really lean. You know, they were, they were tough. They were, things were really tight. Work was really hard. But you know what? I'm here today, and I'm really thankful for that. You know, God got me this far. So when we pray this prayer, give us our daily bread, we recognize that, man, God, you have provided you have gotten me to where I am today. You have seen me through all the ups and downs of life, through tough finances. So, this prayer is a request, but it's also a thankful recognition that God gives us what we need, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Right? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Right? Jesus is ultimately satisfying. That connection to God is what's satisfying. So, then we get to this line, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is at the heart of what it means to follow Christ. Forgiveness might be the toughest work that you're ever called to, but the gospel is present in forgiveness. Forgiveness is profound. We live in a world that cries out for justice, and Jesus came so that we all might be forgiven. And in turn, when we receive forgiveness, forgive others. Forgiveness is profound. I heard a story this week that was really, really powerful. Um, there's a family um, named Andy and Kate Gromare. And they came home from a Palm Sunday service. They got a knock on the door, and the police were there. And the police had terrible news that their daughter, Anne, who was 19 years old, had been shot. And then the, the worst news, or even worse, they found out that it was her boyfriend who had shot her. 
And so they rushed to the hospital, and Anne lived for four days until Good Friday when she passed away. But in that time, as her dad sat with her on the hospital bed, she said, forgive Connor, forgive Connor. And her dad didn't want to do it. But as they prayed, they got to Friday, the day she passed away, they decided they were going to forgive Connor. And they went, and they, they went to the jail, and they, they looked Connor in the eyes, and they said, we have decided to forgive you. And then hours later, Anne passed away. The mom said years later, she never regretted that decision. Never regretted it. And I wanted to share a quote from Connor. He said this in an interview. He said, the Gromer's decision to forgive me was the only reason I came to believe in God and believe in Christ. There's no other explanation for the forgiveness that the Gromer's showed me Normal people do not forgive the man who kills their daughter. That's absolutely right. Normal people don't do that. It's only when we are moved by God that we would even have the inkling to forgive. It's only when we're connected to God that we would have the inkling and the power and the peace to forgive. Only Jesus can bring that. Only Jesus, because he's the one who suffered and died for us so that we might be forgiven. So we can only forgive when we receive that kind of forgiveness. By the way, if, if that story is inspiring to you, it's in a book, and it's in a book called Forgiving My Daughter's Killer. And um, I, yeah, I would recommend to pick it up. But what a powerful story of, of forgiveness. Let's go to the, the final part of the prayer here. Jesus ends his prayer in Matthew right here. Not with a benediction or anything like that. Jesus, sorry, he ends the prayer in Luke right here. He doesn't end it with a benediction, but he ends it with simply the words, and lead us not into temptation. This last part of the prayer, and lead us not into temptation. So we've asked for provision over our physical life. We've asked for, for the help in, in the work of forgiveness, the primary work that we're actually called to do. And then it ends with a prayer of protection and preservation. Lead us not into temptation. Jesus wants to help us in the areas where we're tempted to go outside of his will. The Spirit wants to give you power to fight the battle in your life, the things that you've been struggling with, the things that you feel shame over, the things that keep you from a greater experience of Father God. God wants to help you with that. In Matthew, it adds, but deliver us from evil. But here, the prayer simply adds, lead us not into temptation. This is a re request of God to preserve our souls. Like, keep, keep my integrity. Keep my soul intact. Like, keep, keep anything that would harm my relationship with you away from me. Because what I want to preserve is my relationship with you. I want to preserve my relationship with my wife. I want to preserve my relationship with my church. I want to preserve my, my relationship. So, Lord, lead me out of temptation. You can think about this. Sin affects every relationship in your life. It affects your relationship with God, yes, but it also affects all of your horizontal relationships, right? 
Like, when I pray, lead us not into temptation, I'm praying, Lord, keep, keep my eyes, like, keep my eyes away from any other woman except for my wife. Right? Keep my eyes away from glancing at, at other women online. Right? Keep my heart pure. Don't let me entertain any lustful thoughts. Right? Just keep me away from temptation. And whether you're married or not, like, that should be all of our prayer, right? And that's just on the issue of lust, but there's everything else. Keep, keep me a, away from wanting to spend money I shouldn't spend, right? Keep me away from, you know, drinking, whatever it might be. So this prayer is not just a routine task. It's, it's recognizing that all of my relationships, including my relationship with God, is fragile, and I need God's power to help me. I need to depend on God's power. And it's not that we're always in a state of like, oh, struggle, but as we trust God, he gives us more and more strength, right? More and more power. Because if we lose, I know this as a, as a pastor, like I've, I've done a lot of school, but if I lose my integrity, I lose everything, right? Doesn't matter. Eight years, boop, you know? Like, so I pray, God, keep my integrity. Keep me focused on you. Keep my, keep my heart pure. Because, because what, I, what I've read, how I've prepared with, with books, it doesn't matter at all. What really matters is the condition of my heart. What really matters is the condition of my heart. But even if you don't teach, you're not off the hook because you are a Christian. <laughs> which means you identify with Christ. And the question that God would ask you, are you living worthy of the name to which you've been called? This is Ephesians 4. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So as a Christian, we're called to live like Christ. No matter who you are in Christ, your integrity matters. Who you are matters. And that's why I want to call us into honesty today. When we pray this prayer, we come to honestly before God, whether we're, whatever, we're, whatever state we're in, if we're struggling or not, and we pray this prayer in the grace of God so that we can receive from God. So, getting back to this last line, lead us not into temptation. God cares about your integrity. God cares about the state of your heart. God wants you to be completely aligned with his kingdom and not duplicitous. Not connected to God's kingdom, and then at work I'm connected to my kingdom, and in my or in the world's kingdom, and then when I'm home, I'm just doing my own thing. Like, God wants all of your life in line with his kingdom and his will. It really is everything. Oh, God, lead us not into temptation, but keep us from evil. So, friends, we walked through four verses today, and really, they could be four different sermons. You know, I just kind of did a flyby, so sorry if it was too... Uh, all over the place. But really, I just wanted to unlock a little bit of the power behind this prayer. 
And because we need to approach God honestly. And even if this prayer has felt like boilerplate, like it's been on a wall somewhere in our house, or, or we heard it growing up and, and we kind of feel like, you know, inoculated, like it just has no effect, we're immune to this prayer. This prayer is the, is the conversation that God wants to have with you today. And it's an ancient prayer. It's as relevant then as it is right now for you. And I believe if you started your day, this is the simple challenge this week. If you don't do anything else, pray this prayer every day. And make a decision. If, you're, if you want to pray it in the morning or, in, or at night. It really doesn't matter when you do it, but I think it's important just to get into the practice. Like pray this prayer in a meaningful way. And when you pray it meaningfully, that means you take it slow and you think about what it's saying. You think about what it's saying. Because I think if we started praying this prayer sincerely, it would change our lives. Like we'd be aligned in the kingdom of God more and more each day. That it would change our scope and how we handle the trials that each day represents, that each day presents. So here's my... Here's my uh, thought as we close today. Jesus teaches us to pray in a way that leads us out of our shame and into the Father's will. As we step towards God, we step out of our shame. It protects us. It preserves us. It gives us life. It's where our life is preserved in the practice of prayer. Like, we, we don't live... Uh, it, our relationship with God is not just a one-time deal. Like I prayed a sinner's prayer of repentance and I'm set. Um, this life, this Christian life is an everyday um, growth towards becoming more and more like Christ. And this is a part of that growth. And when I say pray this prayer every day, I'm not saying like, you know, just just say the words like I'm saying hey if you want to just jump off like father and then pray your, your thoughts about God as your father be honest with God God I struggle with the idea of having a heavenly father you know God can handle that um, jump off those points see how it hits you see how the spirit moves when you pray this prayer so I think you probably saw this coming, but what I want to do today in closing is just if we could all stand and pray this prayer together as, as we close. Brian's going to come up and lead us in worship after this. Um, but what I hope we can do today, and, and we're doing the shortened version just to th throw you off <laughs> and just to make it fresh. Um, that's the good thing is like you ha you actually can't just recite the words in Matthew you have to focus um, But we're gonna say this and I would just encourage you to Whether it whether it is opening up your hands Whether it's just getting in a, in a posture a place in your heart where you can say these words and, and mean it So we're gonna try to take it slow and, and do that today But let's let's uh, say this prayer together Father hallowed be your name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation let's pray God thank you so much that you don't just 
leave us alone to figure everything out, but you have given us a prayer that reflects the heart you want us to have. God, a heart that is dependent on you for everything. A heart that gives thanks. Lord, a heart that leans on you to preserve our lives, to preserve our souls. Lord, we pray that you would just incorporate this, help us to incorporate this into our daily lives this week, in the morning, in the evening, all day. God, just let us, let it be a platform to which our hearts can just dive into conversation with you. That as we pray this, that we would mean it more and more each day. And that whatever hang-up we have, that you would speak to us. Whether that hang-up is with the word Father, Lord, if we have a broken relationship with our earthly fathers, it can be really hard to say those words. But Lord, would you show us the kind of father you are? Lord, if our struggle is forgiveness, speak to us today. Lord, it takes an unbelievable move of the Spirit sometimes for us to release long-term hurt, to release difficult things in our lives to trust you, to take a step towards forgiveness, to not become bitter and angry at someone who wronged us. So Lord, show us Jesus. Show us Jesus in those places where we need to forgive. Show us the love of Jesus and help us feel the love and grace of the Father at work in our own lives. Lord, if that struggle is temptation, if we're struggling with something that's just got us down, it's got us distracted, that has our eyes off of you and onto things that are hurting us, I pray for victory in that. I pray for freedom. I pray in Jesus' name that you would bind the enemy at work against us in that. Lord, that we could live in a free relationship with you. There is no better freedom than living within the will of God without anything between us and you and us and others. So Lord, I pray for freedom in those places of temptation. Lead us not into temptation. God, help us to be a people formed by prayer. Lord, help us to be a people that, that seek you and move in power through, through our prayer lives, God, both individually, individually and when we gather together. Lord, teach us to pray like Jesus. Lord, lead us to look more and more like Jesus, God. We are the body of Christ. We can never be Jesus in and of ourselves, but you've given all of us together the, the work of carrying on the, the, the ministry and life of Jesus to the world. So Lord, as we, as we seek you individually, corporately, may that make a huge difference where we are just operating in the gifts of the Spirit that you've given us. We pray for this, God. We, we pray for a season of seeking you without hindrance, God, with, without, uh, Lord, maybe more freer than we've experienced before, God, if we're struggling, to, if we're with distraction, whatever, God, we pray that you would just work through it and give us supernatural focus and strength and peace. God, we know you're patient, the only reason why we can keep going is your patience. So we thank you for that. So Lord, be at work in your church today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.